not a sermon that it's only for men, but it's okay for me to also be honest about the fact that I was thinking about the men in our family when praying through and processing it. Um, it's not specifically for dads. Um, it's for us as men. But ladies, I know that there's something here for you too. Um, will be, uh, the title of the sermon is Built for This. And um, we'll be in Joshua chapter 1, um, verses 6 through 9. Some of you are familiar with that passage. Um, but before we actually get there, I want you to see this picture. I grew up all throughout the U.S. and that my dad had this black 1990-ish Ford Ranger. It started off with us in Georgia, and I remember in Georgia at that time, you could ride in the back of the truck. <laughs> and I would love riding in the back of the truck while my dad was driving it, um, and he would play with us. He would, like, sometimes go very fast. I know this sounds really, really dangerous, but, like... <laughs> Look, the grace of God, we made it, okay? We made it. Uh, my brother, my brother, uh, like, like, accidentally threw his glasses off, like, had his glasses fall off. He didn't particularly care for glasses at the moment, and so his glasses accidentally fell off of his face while we're in the back of the truck. <laughs> um, and then we both had to get the super, like, the, the glasses that nobody wanted at that time because my, my dad was like, y'all just gonna throw your glasses out the truck, then we'll just get you glasses you don't want. Like, wait, not me. Anyway. <laughs> This is not the Ford Ranger, it's just a picture of one, but the Ford Ranger was with us in Georgia, and then we moved to New Jersey, was with us in New Jersey, and then we moved to Michigan, and it moved with us. Um, even though I enjoyed being in the back of the Ford Ranger, my favorite place in the truck was in the front with my dad. Um, it, it wasn't like the trucks now to have like the cab with the back, like, nope, it was just that front bench. <laughs> um, and, my, and if it was raining, my brother would be on the, the, my right side, and I was always in the middle. <laughs> um, and it was close, and it was tight. Um, that has nothing to do with this sermon. It's just because Ford has a, the tagline, built Ford tough. Um, <laughs> But as I was thinking about being built for this, I thought about that, and I thought about that time uh, with my dad, honestly. I was grateful for this truck. Um, we, as men, are not trucks, but we are built for some things. Um, and not tough like macho, right? I think it's, we... There was a time in our life, and in, in, we are a multi-generational church, and most of us who are kind of, you know, younger millennials and down, we kind of begin to shed some of the idea that masculine means macho, but there's still residue of that. What I'm saying we're built for isn't macho. It isn't just killing stuff for killing stuff's sake. 
I feel like in our culture sometimes that's how we've defined masculinity. That's how we even would characterize tough is I don't take nothing and anything and everyone that comes up against me gets this hard, cold exterior and not only is that not the Bible, it's not Jesus. It's just not. As a person who struggled with relating to that idea of masculinity in our culture, um, it took me a while to be able to affirm my own masculinity. As I've never been super into sports, I never really wanted to build stuff for real unless it was with Play-Doh. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to fix the garbage disposal when it breaks. Um, I need that, by the way. <laughs> Just being honest, our garbage disposal isn't working. So, <laughs> hook a brother up. No. <laughs> I don't like getting dirty unless it's something related to art. That's just the truth. I would much rather be covered in glitter than covered in dirt. I'm just being real. That sounds weird. It's manly glitter. Okay. It's blacks and golds. You know, some silvers. <laughs> but I'm just being honest with you. If I'm going to be dusty and dirty, I'd rather it be glitter <laughs> than, than grass clippings. <laughs> I struggled until I was in my mid-20s, and I really started to ask the Lord, can you show me how you define masculinity? Amen. And very quickly, very quickly, the Holy Spirit pointed to Jesus. Amen. And as I studied the personality of Jesus, it felt nothing like what I had been taught a man was. Let's just be real. It was nurturing. Very strong. Absolutely. But compassionate. Men, we have been taught that we are built for the hard exterior of protection. Yes, I get that. We are. Because Jesus was a fierce protector as well. I get that. But we've also been built for the strength of what it is to enter into people's pain and compassion, which requires a vulnerability on our end that we haven't always been taught as men, but we are built for it. So today's sermon is not even about what it is to be compassionate or nurturing. It's actually about courage because one of the things that's true for us is that requires more courage than getting into a fight being emotionally vulnerable requires more courage on our end than getting into a fight sometimes. We know how to do that. We don't know how to put our emotions into words sometimes. Let's just be real. <laughs> but our wives and our children and our neighbors, our sisters, our mothers, they need us to be able to actually do that too. This kind of comes a little bit on the heels of the end of our Bible study 
Revelation 21, um, verse 5, starts this way. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I already knew that I was going to be preaching an encouraging message, but Thursday evening we read that portion of Scripture as we were finishing up our Bible study in Revelation, and I got arrested by the word coward. It stopped me dead in my tracks, and, like, and we as a group sat and pro- processed and pondered that. How is it that coward shows up in the same list as murderer. I would have never put those two together. How is it that coward shows up in the same list as witchcraft and idolater? And we sat. It wasn't like forever, but it was a good like five minutes processing what it is, what cowardice is. It is the full knowledge of God's faithfulness, God's strength, God's might, and turning away from what God's calling us to because fear and discomfort are come along with us walking there. We talked about the fact that like, it points back to the children of Israel and God's irritation with them after, after they were set free from Egypt. I'm literally walking behind you as a cloud. (laughs) I'm going in front of you as a pillar of fire. I'm splitting red seas and causing billions of frogs to jump out and you still scared? (laughs) It wasn't that they were just thirsty so they complained. Their complaint was, Moses, we're thirsty, we're going to die. Did you just see what God did and you're concerned about dying? It wasn't just that they were hungry. Moses, we're starving. If we don't have any meat, we're going to die. God was so mad. Not that they were just complaining. They were so, he was so frustrated. He was, like, literally said, I'm going to give them quail until it comes out of their noses. Not because they hadn't seen God's goodness and his glory and his might and his strength, but because they didn't internalize that into any form of courage. They were cowardice in front of their challenge. That plays out actually several times in Scripture. No wonder by the end of the Bible... Does God lump the idea of cowardice with murderers? Yeah. 
What it means to be a coward there is not some, some special Greek word. It literally means to be afraid. We have seen too much of God's goodness. To not experience the feelings of, of anxiousness when something is new. No, that's okay. That's normal. That's what it is to be human. But there is a courage that we are called to as followers of God that means to step into spaces that feel uncomfortable, that feel like I'm about to be taken out, but I believe that there is a God that has not just been able to keep me, he will keep me. Like there's a difference between being able to affirm God's capacity for keeping me and stepping in knowing this is the God that splits seas. He will keep me. This is the God that delivers from sickness. He will keep me. And if I can't do that, then I'm in the same category as people who practice witchcraft. Joshua is taken over after Moses. Moses had led them. The mantle of leadership passes on to Joshua, and God's words to him are this in verses 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. (laughs) Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all all you do. The last verse This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Did you catch that he says command there? He doesn't say this is my suggestion so that you would feel confident going in. He doesn't just say I'm going to give you some advice. It's going to help you if you're courageous and you're strong. He literally says This is God speaking to Joshua. My command to you is to be strong and very courageous. I feel like men, we have been taught how to do that and be rough. We've been taught how to be strong and courageous in ways that Highlight our biceps and our quads. You know, we can squat with the best of them, right? We've been taught to be courageous as it it relates to being able to push a vehicle up a hill. We've been taught to be strong and courageous when we're walking with our significant other and there's somebody that's looking a little shady, we put ourselves between them. We've been taught to be strong and courageous when some adult is looking at our kids cross-eyed and we like, you know, put our shoulders back a little bit like, what? (laughs) 
We've been taught to be strong and courageous there. But we haven't been taught to enter into the pain that our children have. We've been taught to not allow them to express it. It's just the truth. We don't give, we don't always give our kids the freedom to actually just be sad because it's of being sad. We've been taught to, we teach them that strength means expressing no sadness. Or we only have a limited time for sadness. As opposed to actually entering into that sadness with them and allowing their sadness to trigger sadness in us and us to grieve with them. When Jesus saw Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus died, she didn't say to them, stop crying, I'm about to heal. I'm about to get him up from the grave. He cried too. It's one of the shortest portions of Scripture in the Bible. Jesus wept. (laughs) He knew what he was about to do. It's not like he was like, ah, I came all the way down there. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it now. He entered into their grief. That's a kind of courage that we have not been taught as men to have. We have not been taught to enter into that space. Another thing that we have not been taught to have is to navigate our insecurities most of us navigate our insecurities with anger. It's just real. When something grazes on an area where I feel like, uh, you're getting way too close, my response is explosive anger. Not me personally, but that's in some ways how we're taught as men. Don't, don't let nobody talk to you like that. You gonna let them punk you like that? Literally. We say those things to each other. We train one another as men in explosive anger as a, in, as when someone gets too close to my insecurity. Something that makes me feel uneasy, then I just blow up because that shuts it down. As opposed to going to the Holy Spirit with that insecurity and sitting there for a minute and letting the Holy Spirit actually do the work of strengthening me in that. It's hard. We would much rather be strong within our own capacity than to actually embrace the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit, which sometimes means entering into insecure, lonely, emotional spaces. The last thing I want, the last portion of scripture I want to read is Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. It's not anything different. To be strong and courageous, do not be afraid and do not panic before them. (laughs) This is a portion of scripture talking about taking over the land. But it says, do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. He will neither fail you 
nor abandon. Some of our Bibles say he will never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, that's great. But here's one of the things that I also know that I actually appreciate this version. Most of us don't actually go into those deep and those challenging places of our insecurity as men because we don't actually believe that God will meet us there. We don't believe that God will meet us there because we've not expected to see God there. If God is our father and our fathers taught us not to cry, then when I get there and I'm frustrated and I'm sad, the father will not be there with me. And let me tell you, bro, that's not true. He will never fail us and he won't abandon us. When I get into that space, most of us, it's okay for me to say this out loud. I've been saying this to people in premarital counseling for a minute. Most of us men are, are emotionally immature when we get to adulthood. Not because our bodies are not mature, but because we've not been taught in our culture to actually cultivate healthy emotions. All we have is anger and happy. We have nothing in between there because it's scary in those places. Some of you is like, it's because it's weak. No, because as soon as you start thinking about it, you believe that the people around you will abandon you and God will abandon you too. But if you just sit there for a second in the grief, of your loss in the grief in the morning if you give yourself an opportunity to actually let God cultivate you you will have something to give your grandchildren when they scrape their knee and you're like oh that's nothing but you actually get down with them and you say to them oh I know that hurts I've, I've scraped my knee before too. It's so painful. But you know what? This pain won't last forever. It's okay. I'll be here with you while you're crying. It's okay. And, and as soon as, as soon as the pain starts to subside, guess what? We'll go play together. This is what the father does. The father doesn't just ignore our pain just because he's bigger than it. He jumps down in there with us and says, I've scraped my knee before too. I know what it feels like. When the women in our lives are experiencing the depth of what it is to not have as much control in a society that just sometimes doesn't give women the kind of control and authority and autonomy that women deserve. As opposed to, that ain't my problem. We enter into it. The real reason we don't enter into it is because we're afraid if we do, then our authority and autonomy will also be taken. That's just the real truth. Nope. It's our moment to actually share that which has been given to us. It's to say, I don't know exactly how that feels, but I do know what it feels like to be able to make the decisions and choices I want to without the consequences that come along with it socially for you. 
let me be with you while you make some of those choices. And let me defend you when the world bucks up against what you're saying. That's actually what we do. That's what Jesus did. (laughs) Jumping in when we could not for ourselves come to a space of settling salvation. This is what Jesus does. He jumps in and advocates for us. This is what we're built for, men. This is what we're built for. We're not built just to not let things pass. We're built to also cultivate and to nurture. As men, we're built to cast vision for those whom we love. Like I imagine like a dad and a daughter on the floor. And the daughter is learning how to walk. And the dad could get close enough for if the daughter were to begin to fall, she could catch. But he actually positions himself where his arms can reach and not hers and says, come on, because if she falls, he's going to catch her. But doesn't want to give her that comfort of believing that she would be able to do it on her own. She, he wants to challenge her. This is a way a dad nurtures. This is the way in which we do. We call out the best in the loved ones around us. And we see where they're going, and we encourage them to it. We're built for that. But the only way we're able to do that is entering into get on the floor. You can't call out the best in someone you're, not, you're too afraid to look at. Men, we're built for this. You are built for this. You're built for that kind of courage as well as protecting, as well as providing for. So I sat in the office this week as I was praying for all of you. Um, Specifically, a person named Alex who I met at the um, Little Caesars in the middle of the week, who um, is a part of our church family who none of you have met. Um, He's a part of our church family online. (laughs) Um, I walked into the Little Caesars and he was like, ah, you're you're a pastor, you're the pastor of, I said, Unison, right. (laughs) Their family watches online this week praying for him which led into praying for all of us men and sat there what's the best way for us to be encouraged as men and I wrote an affirmation for us Um, and I want to read it to you first but then I'd love for us to read it together the reason I want to read it to you first it's because I feel like sometimes in church we tell each other to read stuff, but we don't know actually what we're about to read. And for me, that makes me insecure because I don't want to be manipulated. I want to read it to you first. And if it's something that you want to speak into your life, then you get to speak. You get to make that decision. 
says, I am a man of God, a man of vision, a man of strength. Fear is not my master. Insecurity is not my counsel. I am filled with the spirit of the Almighty, led onward by his wisdom. Goodness and mercy follow me. I have no reason to fear. I have no room for it. I am overflowing with power, love, and self-discipline. I am courageous, boldly reclaiming that which rightfully belongs to the Father. My life is lived for his glory. My strength is used on behalf of those who are weaker. My vision is for his kingdom, of which I am an heir. My business is uplifting others. My payment is my Savior's well done. I will hear him say it. His joy will be my reward. My legacy will be of faith and courage. The world will have seen Christ more clearly because I am a man of God. If that's something that resonates with you as a man, I'd love for you to stand with me. And I want to just read this together. Put the bass in your voice. Okay? Let the carpet fibers rumble a little bit. <laughs> Let's read this together. I am a man of God, a man of vision, a man of strength. Fear is not my master. Insecurity is not my counsel. I am filled with the spirit of the Almighty, led onward by his wisdom. Goodness and mercy follow me. I have no reason to fear. I have no room for it. I am overflowing with power, love, and self-discipline. I am courageous, boldly reclaiming that which rightfully belongs to the Father. My life is lived for his glory. My strength is used on behalf of those who are weaker. My vision is for his kingdom, of which I am an heir. My business is uplifting others. My payment is my Savior's well done. I will hear him say it. His joy will be my reward. My legacy will be of faith and courage. The world will have seen Christ more clearly because I am a man of God. Stand where you are. I want to just pray for you. Father, you have already shown us how to do men well, to do man well. You've shown us how to be strong. You've shown us how to step in a place of provision. You've shown us how it is to care for and love in a way that men do. Protect, to guide, to lead. You've also demonstrated to us how to have compassion, how to be merciful. You've also demonstrated for us how to advocate, how to use our strength in a way that endows others with strength. You've shown us, but the patterns of this world have not shown us clearly. So Lord, we put aside the patterns of this world and ask that you would transform us, transform our thinking. Teach us how to navigate both compassion and strength. Not just one or the other, both. Teach us how to nurture the way you do. Help us to not be afraid 
to enter into emotional and insecure places, but that we would go to the depths with those whom we love and show them the other side. We won't get stuck there. Show them the other side. God, these are your sons. Before we are pastors, before we are teachers, before we are husbands, before we are workers, before we are employers, before we are anything else, we are your sons. May we inherit your traits because of you. You are our Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.